Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 71 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. I'm always happy to be here with you, bringing the, my great friends from the industry, industry leaders, and sometimes they're both. Patrick Umphrey is my guest today. Patrick is an old friend from the industry. We met in 2017 at a fitness conference and have stayed pretty close virtually ever since, but he's long overdue for a reappearance because uh, he appeared on the original version of the podcast with Dean uh, a long, long time ago, several years ago. Was that Fitness Devil? Was that the name of it? The the old iteration, the Fitness Devil. So anybody who's finding it new is going to be wondering, okay, cool, there's 71 episodes. Actually, there's an additional 150 going back in time where we had John Berardi was one of the last guests before we, uh, before Dean had to depart and raise his daughter. So, uh, and he left me the keys to the kingdom and, and insisted I carry on. And honestly, it's been one of the smartest decisions, but this is about you, my friend, and you are an online coach. You're a powerlifter. You're, you're notable in the issue because you have this 20,000 person strong Facebook group called Eat, Train, Progress, which you're deeply immersed in. And, yeah. you know, despite not having the largest Instagram following in the industry, you are widely respected and known amongst, you know, the, the, the evidence-based fitness community, you know, the industry leaders. When I went to that first Kansas City Fitness Summit in 2017, the first one I went to, you know, people, your name kept coming up in the presentations before I kind of figured out the sort of the, the significance and then you and I end up memed together. Yeah. <laughs> since, so it sort of uh, turned into a running joke, but it's great to have you on. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back. And I look forward to just having a good chat with you. Um, the meme that, that Andrew is referring to, it, it's, it's funny because we have vaguely similar facial, facial features in that we're both gingers. <laughs> that's about where the that's about where it ends as far as like what is uh, what is similar because you you probably outweigh me by 80 pounds of 80 pounds of muscle or so and you can very well see that when you put us next to each other and so I think the original meme was like I'm the before picture or something like that so it's uh absolutely it is, it is hilarious and I love it so the every industry, time that thing pops up I I laugh the industry has had some great fun with it um, yeah, I wanted to get you on here, obviously, to pick your brain about you, know, you and I when we when we talk or certain themes always come up, and yeah, you know, I, I love the idea of of brand growth and media growth, and we get caught up in this idea that following has to show up in in by certain metrics, and I know that Instagram is kind of the, I would say benchmark because it's probably the best hub for a lot of the, you know, the known figures in the industry. And we know that a lot of people uh, who have very large followings are otherwise well-respected and and a lot of people who are very well-respected haven't scaled large followings, but following can take a lot of forms. And if you have a 20,000 person engaged Facebook group, or someone has a very large email list, which we can, you can never be really displayed as a vanity metric. And someone really goes out of their way to wave it around. I, I wanted to pick your brain on what the experience has been like over the years with that group, what it's done for your coaching career, your business, and and its value? Great question. So that group has been by a huge margin, the, the best thing for my coaching business, because almost all of my business either comes from that group or comes from clients who run other groups who will 
tag me as their coach and show their lifting videos. I then get, you know, clients from other groups and some referrals, but the majority of it comes from either people that are directly participating in my group or people that are just kind of lurkers, but they now believe that I have a good reputation from what they've seen in the group and in other areas online. And that's where the business comes from. And I think that, um, you know, not, not being an in-person coach anymore, other than going and handling lifters at powerlifting meets. Um, I think that it's, that's a good thing because that's where my business kind of has to come from, but yeah, the group's been, been absolutely awesome. And, um, it would be hard to itemize like what I've learned running the group, but it's been, it's been a, a mix of amazing, um, just kind of watching this thing grow. It's been awesome, but it's also been frustrating in some ways, not frustrating. Like I, I dislike it, but like you have considerations where like moderating a large group is a, it's a huge challenge. And I think that, I think that we are more moderated than the majority of groups. Um, we probably have more rules. Not everyone agrees with those rules, but I'm fine with that. But I, but I really do believe that that is one of the things that makes the group really good. You've had a few very high profile, like kicking people out, just an absolute tantrum of glory to just say like, fuck this person. They got to go. Yeah. Like, you know, it's funny because on the one hand, I can appreciate that people can have values of like, just not being mean to people. I get that. But then there's just some times where it's like, if someone's just being an absolute douche, like, I kind of don't have a problem with letting that thing resolve itself by, you know, maybe, maybe 20 people rip on the person before he gets booted. And it's like, all right. So I, I understand that that's possibly a bit of a hypocrisy on my part, but you know, I'm okay with it. So your, your playground, your rules. Right. And, and I honestly know that you are not, I mean, we know that people operate that way and take advantage of it. We know that you operate with integrity. And if someone is going to get themselves like kicks sent to the door with um, you know a very very large display of that removal, they've done something to warrant it. Yeah, and with the better ones, we have actual like we have famous threads in there that keep getting bumped, where we track them. Like uh, if if there's a funny one, like we had one person. So one of our rules is that we don't allow self promotion of any kind. Um, and, and a lot of groups have that if it's, if the owner or the company that runs the group is a coaching company, they don't want other people coming in there and advertising their own services. And that's completely reasonable expectation. Uh, and as an aside, uh, people who do go in groups and then secretly send DMS to people to solicit, that's, that's a shitty, shitty thing as well. Uh, and I think that that's something that business coaches are probably out there teaching, but anyway, I, I digress. Maybe we get back to that, but, we'll come back to that. um, yeah, but there was one where a guy showed up. He's a fitness professional. This was several years ago, and no one knew who he was. And his first post was, so what would you guys like to hear me blog about? Or what would you guys like to like to read from, from my blog? And it's like, and he, he got just destroyed. Like, oh, it was, it was hilarious. I, random story, but like, it was just so funny because people were like, well, who the hell is this guy? So. I, I remember the aftermath discussion of those sort of things i i personally i find it very difficult to keep track of what's going on in different facebook groups and i'm at the point where 
there, there are ones that I highlight and respect and, and share. And what I kind of tell people to do is if you want me to engage in something, just tag me if I'm in there. Great. Uh, one of my bigger pet peeves is when you get, you, you know, you accept someone's friend request on Facebook. And, you know, a lot of the time we, we accept people who we don't otherwise really know. But, okay, a lot of mutual friends are clearly a coach. They're not a business coach. We'll come back to that. And <laughs> all of a sudden, the first thing is an invitation to like their page or invitation to their, their group. And for me, that's almost fuck okay i'm deleting this person right away like sometimes i'm tempted uh because like we've done we have no rapport i i don't know anything about you and immediately i'm getting an invitation to group and it's our our time is valuable and if you're worried about moderating and a group of that size plus doing all the coaching that you're doing like the last thing you have hours to do is to scroll through other people's uh groups but i still think that a group can be powerful it's just if you're starting oh absolutely don't invite everybody or any new facebook friends to that group also, too, if you're looking to create a group that serves your business, then other fitness professionals on social media probably aren't people who are going to be much of an asset to you reaching the end user you're looking for, because they're not going to feed their people into your group. They just won't and don't yeah, ask. Typically, that, yeah, I would agree with that for the most part. That one, like unless you really earned it, right? And I think you're an exception sure. to that one. And, and well, thank two, you. those are not the people that you're also marketing to unless you're a business coach. So let's yeah. fuck with business coaches because I know that you enjoy that. And Oh, oh man, it's so fun. Who are exemplary people with integrity who actually do coach business. They're business mentors. Uh, Luca Hosevar is someone who I always highlight a lot of my media. Pete Dupuis is fantastic. Mark Fisher. Uh, yeah. There are quite a number of great people like that. Jonathan Goodman certainly operates in that space. And then we have other people like the boys from Compound Performance, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. They're great. Our Jordan Syatt has a, as a, and him and Mike Vacante have a, a mentorship for personal trainers. There are good people out there, but I can assure you that the great business coaches are still, or have for a very long time operated a business to have the reputation and noteworthiness in that space to then turn around and educate people. When I see yes. someone who looks like they're 12, send me a request <laughs> that says, I help business owners, trainers scale to seven figures or whatever. I look at this crap and I laugh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that it, it is worth noting too. And perhaps people will think that this is a justification to be shitty to people, but I'm, I'm still going to say it. I think that this is a predatory behavior and that is why, I don't have an issue with putting these people on blast. Now, I have put a few on blast in my group, but I don't name their names. I, I, I leave it anonymous because it's mainly just me enjoying the humor in it. But the truth is, there are so many that will randomly show up in your DMs, have no evidence of them ever being successful, and will try to charge an absolute, what I think is a ridiculous fee for um, their their pretty bad business advice. And so, um, and a question I've had too is, and I truly don't know the answer to this, by the way, because I do not consider myself to be like business savvy. I, I am a coach and I happen to have a big Facebook group and my business is doing well, but I don't consider myself like very knowledgeable. So the question I have is, do we think that this tactic of just randomly meeting a stranger and spamming them is that actually a good way to, to run a business? And I have to think that if, if you're selling something that's not a person-to-person, like 
if you're selling widgets or just a unanimous anonymous thank you uh product maybe it doesn't matter maybe that's the the numbers game but like i have to imagine that when you're dealing with people <laughs> that you're going to be communicating with on a regular basis you don't want to be an annoying bastard <laughs> like it's just like it's what do you think of that well you're absolutely right and i was going to say there is the philosophy of numbers game that does technically work in a lot of industries or in a, mm-hmm. in a lot of formats anybody with an email list when you're sending out and marketing via an email list there is a numbers game that is there but at least there if you have someone on your email list you probably have developed a, re- a relationship with them to the point where they've you know the permission marketing seth godin stuff where they've given you permission yes. by giving yes. you their email address and in, in the case of godin godin's written several books he's a respected business leader uh, and teacher and that's that's true of all the names i said earlier these are people who've established that reputation and after a certain point people give you permission to to interact with them in that way and market to them what we have i think we have these these mills pumping out these business coaches because people are learning this skill and they want to skip all the steps we also see trainers do the same thing it's not just business coaches but trainers and for me, it's weird. Like the common advice of having the elevator pitch in your bio. I hate that. I absolutely don't yeah. like it. And some of you guys listening probably have them. I'm not judging you. Don't worry. But I find that if the elevator pitch is the first thing that I see, then your media profile comes to me like it's a it's a marketing profile. Now, I yep. treat my Facebook and I treat my Instagram like professional pages. But my bio highlights career accomplishment, which is my belief is, is what we really should highlight. Have we written for any notable publications in the industry? If you value that, I think that's a great pursuit. Do you have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel? Do you have a successful podcast? Do you own a physical facility? Are you the owner of a an online coaching business or an educational mentorship or anything like that? Those things give you great credibility. If you've written yeah. a book, right? Like who, who's a Melody Schoenfeld, okay? Melody She's great. Mel- Melody's written books. Uh, who else has written books? Uh, Josh Hillis. Oh, he's written. For anyone. Uh, Josh Hillis is great too. I am a big fan of that dude. Uh, Melody's hilarious, by the way. So if anyone uh, has not met her yet, she's funny as hell and a uh, very, very nice person. So oh, I just needed to throw that in. She's become a really good friend. Uh, she, I, I've met her at events, you know, years, years past. She's presented at a bunch of events that I've attended and just this past September, I went down to Luca Hosevar's Fitness and Business Summit, which is one of the events I really try to make a priority of in, in Renton, just outside of Seattle. And Lee Boyce was supposed, uh, supposed to attend, but ultimately he couldn't because just coming down from Canada was a real headache at that, for that one. And Melody and Lee are writing a book together. So Melody, knowing that Lee was supposed to present and that I would be there, she came up from California and hung out for a couple of days and, and just met a whole nice. bunch of people. I introduced her to Luca because I wanted to put Melody on Luca's radar Mm-hmm. And ultimately just, you know, have a bunch of people meet each other and have a good time. It was great to hang out. Right. So, you know, she's a good human being. She's like you, someone who's never really invested in a large social media branded following, but she's written books in the industry. She's a speaker presenter. She's a very credible evidence-based person really deep in the research side of our industry who I want more people in the industry to know about Josh Hillis yeah. sort of thing. And Josh didn't have much of an Instagram following until we started interacting and he started using some of the tactics uh, that I did, simply the Twitter-based post, and his stuff's 
phenomenal. It plays really oh, it's well. It's great. It's great. And then I started pushing him. And of course, his following grew really rapidly. And nice. he just he's a great guy. I pulled him on the podcast and I try to he is. Him, I believe it. That's yeah, I I completely agree with you. And I would I would bet that like you mentioned the 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 good business coaches. I would just have to believe that they're not the ones that are the annoying spam your inbox that they've never spoken to you before. I just posted about this yesterday, but dude, I had a guy, I'm not going to name him. Not, you know, I'm not, I'm not at all trying to attack someone. I'm talking about the circumstance, not the person. And so I want to be clear on that. He maybe, maybe he's a great guy. Um, he has now messaged me six times about the same thing. And I have three conversations where I've, you know, he's asked me about my business and, not to brag, but like, I'm doing well, I'm, I'm on a wait list and like, I have enough business that I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Right. And so I don't desire any business coaching because I'm accomplishing what I want to accomplish. <laughs> and I've been very clear about this and I'm always polite to these people. Um, I'm never, never really rude. And so, but it's like, I've told him in detail three times and it's like every month I get the cold, like the, the same question. And it's just like, do you not remember like, can you scroll up? <laughs> just like, it's just hysterical. I, I've had enough of these conversations with them just to sort of screw with them a bit that I've, and every once in a while they make a mistake. And so what I figured out, and they, several have admitted, is they use assistants to do most of the cold messages. Yeah. Well, so how does that, that work? The ones that are more well-known. So there really are three yeah. types of business coaches in this space. There are the people who've been doing own the physical facility, been doing it a long time, really respected, and by and large, still you are really heavy into the main business they did. Luca's like that, Alan and Rachel Cosgrove are that type of person, Mark Fisher, all the names that I said who are respectable types. There's a second group that have been around for a while who generally engage in the, the goofy tactics but they're at least established in that space. And I will say some names and I don't, I'm not saying in a disparaging terms, but you're Alex Hermosi and Jim launch. His entire thing is, and I, I understand he sold it. I don't know him, but he's the dude with the mustache, right? He's the guy with the mustache. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. Ruben Grader, who has been in my DMS multiple on multiple different things and not remember. And I'm like, dude, just go over, check your, you know, on Instagram, go check your, your Facebook messenger. Yeah. Like you talked there, right? Scroll up, <laughs> And I'll, I'll say this guy to Tanner Chittister is another one of these guys. And he, these are spammy marketers, right? And they don't seem to have any real history or, or much credibility outside of just being flashy business coaches that have been around long enough that at least they're recognizable. Right. And then there's the, 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 the ones that come out of the mills, probably taught by the second tier who are immediately right out in the coaching business coaching space. And the one that we love screwing with, and I, I'm comfortable saying the names because I don't respect these people. Sure. Frank, Frankie Fury, right? And he has his little minions. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard of that dude. Yeah, and he, he has like, does he have like a bunch of profiles or something? Or are they, are they just like minions of his? That, He's got a whole bunch of minions on. that are okay. all like, they all <laughs> the founder. It sounds like this like sci-fi cult thing that's uh, hysterical. L. Ron Hubbard would have written about if you guys get that reference. They're like they're like the trash mobs before you get to the boss. Yeah, try to do right? <laughs> World of Warcraft reference for everybody there. Sure. And you know, I we don't want to make it seem like we're totally shitting on these people, but it, a I think most people in our space are smart enough to realize, okay, cool, this this shit's nonsense. And you know, I, I sometimes I just out of pure temptation, I'll accept the friend request, I'll wait for the the message, and then all of a sudden it's like, so uh, you know, 
what do you, what, what, what do you do in your career? And I'm like, and now I, if I even enable this sort of stuff, I'm like, do a Google search or go look at my Instagram. You, you'll get all the information you're looking for. And I, I sort of deflect the conversation and it's not a, you know who I am sort of thing. There's no pomp. Right. I'm fucking with these people. Um, and a lot of people are going to be smart enough to say, I'm not wasting any time on this at all. But every once in a while, it's a bit of amusement. And I think this is top of mind for you because recently a really funny exchange happened where I had one guy, never heard of him before. I totally accepted the friend request, sends me a couple of messages, the benign stuff. I respond the way I usually do. Don't hear from him for like a couple of weeks. Then he pops back up and starts in again. Anyway, so I did the whole thing. Hey, go and blah, blah, blah. I sent him a couple of voice messages, actually, kind of, you know, make it light of the whole thing. And all of a sudden I get this notification that a message has been unsent. So I'm like, what? So I go in immediately and I grab a screenshot of all the messages that are remaining. It shows one yeah. unsent. Then unsent, unsent. And he goes and he unsends every message. So I share it both on social media with the guy's picture. I didn't give a shit, right? And I'm just like, look at this crap. And of course, people have a laugh at this stuff. And yeah. I'm careful about, I, I'll do it once in a while, simply to make light. I, I'm not interested in tearing down these individuals. I mean, I think it's predatory. And ultimately, when you deal with predatory behavior in any way, shape, or form that shows up in the industry, it is okay to highlight this. I don't subscribe to cancel culture. I don't like big public teardowns. But I think it's okay to highlight predatory behavior. So that way, yeah, it, young emerging coaches understand. And I think that's a difficult fine line that often people dance around. I just yeah. don't like vicious roasting marshmallows on the bonfire of the demise of someone in the industry. Almost right, right. what they've done, right? Yeah, I mean, I I prefer to keep it anonymous unless it's something just completely, you know, heinous but i every time i can think of that i've blasted someone my preference is to keep it anonymous um just because i don't want people to like go dogpile on them or message them or anything it's like for me that's i want to i do want to though a highlight the behavior and talk about why this is not okay but then also have a good laugh because legitimately if you like six times like what Here's another question. At what point would a would a rational human think I'm probably wasting my time here? And so it's a legitimate question because I think some people might think number seven, that's going to be it. Like the seventh time I message them, I'm going to make that sale. And well, like, you know, but marketers are taught that we we are as trainers taught to circle back and check it. Now, I mean, there's a there's a common sense of, you know, picking up on the vibes and the cues of what someone is spitting at you. Yeah, and that's right. my point. The, like, that, and then, then I think we're totally saying it that way. But there is something to be said. Now, I'm not, I'm one of these types that I don't like smashing down objection after objection after objection on a, on a, a, a sales interview, right? Like a, a client yeah. consultation. If someone is really serious about working with me, then we'll have a great conversation. I usually find that most people coming to me are pre-sold or they're coming in warm knowing my work my reputation they didn't refer to me yeah and but sometimes they turn around like i got a message this morning from a young potential online client who said she was going to go in a different direction and she was very cost conscious and going to school and i wished her the best i told her if she ever has questions please reach out i did not at any point try to break down any of these objections um, yes because i could tell that she felt bad and i you know you can manipulate people in and push them and push them and push them but what you're going to get is someone with buyer's remorse yep now, the flip side of that, I think it's valuable 
to be able to recognize what's going on with someone's buying decision. And if you have someone in front of you who they, it, it, it's, we have to be careful about making this judgment. But theoretically, if we have someone we know who really does need to, to change their lifestyle because they're on a trajectory that's probably going to, you know, continue to be unhealthy long term, then that person, if you don't do a really good job of confidently showcasing how you can help that person, and you know that person really would benefit it and can afford it. If that person walks away because you do a poor job of kind of understanding what they really want, or you're just not confident, sooner or later, they're going to, on impulse, walk into a commercial gym. And honestly, there are going to be great experiences at commercial gyms with great trainers, but you may also get sold by the person at the front desk who assigns you to whichever trainer who may or yeah. may not be you know, a great experience for that person. So you could think about it this way. There, there can be a bit of an obligation to do the best job you can to identify if this person is the right fit, maybe work through some of their hesitations. I don't want to say objections, but we know that's part of it yeah. and get that person on a, on a better road. And sure. I'm, I love looking back at my career and seeing a lot of the people I work with and how it was a major inflection point to a complete change uh, of their health and their well-being. That's awesome. That's awesome. One of the, uh, on that note of objections, like I think, I think the general strategy of addressing objections, uh, it not only applies to sales, but I think it applies a great deal to coaching, depending on how much behavioral stuff you get into. But I mean, this idea of uh, identifying what the obstacles are and finding creative solutions to either work around them or go through them. Um, it's a great strategy. One that you mentioned, it, the idea of if someone says they can't afford it, Dude, sometimes I go into these, these trainer groups and someone will say, what do I do when my client says they can't afford it? And you literally get people say, oh, you should say, I guess you don't care about your health. And it's like, is that like, that's the shittiest. <laughs> what? Never. I hate that so much. Never, ever, and, ever used shame based. Oh, it's horrible. Never. It's horrible. And um, I, on, a, on a number of times, I've had people reach out to me and price has been an objection. And I am, I'm completely comfortable just being very understanding and saying, Hey, I completely get it. I'm here to answer any questions. If you change your mind, please reach out. I've had a lot of people who initially choose not to hire me and then hire me. And it happens a, a good percentage of the time. And I have no regrets being friendly and just letting it go and trusting that, Hey, they're telling me they have a budget issue. It's not my job to try to convince them to rearrange their expenditures, expenditures to, to hire me. So, and there's a few things you can do there. You, you alluded, but I'll take it further. If, if price is a concern, one, you can develop media, you can develop programs, you can write articles, you can literally have a program article on your website that you could say, listen, this isn't, a, this isn't tailored to you, but this will probably help you a great deal right now maybe this would be something that's valuable to you. If at two, you leave yourself available to asking questions. Now, people will have different takes on this. And every once in a while, you'll end up with one person who will really abuse the privilege. But that's mm -hmm. not a reason to not be reasonably accessible. You're accessible through the, the Facebook group, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm very accessible through primarily Instagram is where most people get at me. You can catch me on Facebook too. 
but I'm comfortable answering questions. And I find most people are very conscientious, almost afraid to take from your time. They think you're too busy. Yep. But if you make yourself accessible when someone really needs it, that can go a long way. And three, if you have someone in your immediate universe that you trust who is less expensive, maybe they don't have quite as much experience, but they're really good. I have Bailey Lau, who I do my online women's uh, group strength training platform together. Bailey has been training people for about three years relative to my 11 and a half. I mentor her and I train her. Uh, we have this group platform together, which is a lower cost platform. Yes, yes. creates that option for, for the women as well uh, that are in it because there's no dudes in there. But uh, I also can refer clients to Bailey if cost is a bit of a concern. Yep. And she, she charges her worth, but, you know, it's, it's, there's still a difference between where I am and where she is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I trust her to take great care of anybody. My cat, Ozzy, is like trying to jump down from the window. So what you doing, buddy? There you go. Good boy. Nice. nice. Um, I, I think there's a lot of really good stuff in there. It's funny. That's probably better business advice from you, Patrick, than we would get from some of these uh, predatory business coaches. And to close, to close that particular thread and to circle around is something else we want to talk about. I really do think that behavior is predatory, which ultimately is why it's okay to make light of it. I try not to be fire and brimstone on it. I try to be like, let's have a good chuckle at this and, and let's move on with our days. I, I agree. Can I interject with one thing that you brought up earlier that I think would be fun yeah. to explore for a minute? You had mentioned these people who have their, like a business descriptor or a statement on their, on their profile. Do you ever find that the specificity is way too high. Like you'll see people that'll be like, I help 42 year olds with a chip tooth work on their cartwheels. And it's just like, you don't need to be quite that. We, you know. well, we all have the hubris thing. Mine is like, I help 38 to 39 year old, you know, uh, single mom lawyers with 2.2 children. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like you're minimizing your audience to like six people. <laughs> so. I think there are people in our space who have enough tenure and experience to know who they work best with. I think of people like Andy Morgan, Eric Bach are two good examples who they are, they charge a higher rate for their monthly coaching. They have a very specific way, set of rules that they do it. I think both primarily work with men. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that um, that's, that's Andy for sure. And I think so for Eric. And I think they probably work with guys who are probably like, you know, 25 to 40 ish. Now don't quote me on exactly what they do, but those guys have been around a long time. Uh, Andy's written a bunch of books. So the guy's got massive credibility. I don't know Eric well, but Andy's a great dude. Andy's a great dude. Yeah, I, had I really him. like Andy. Yeah. Anybody listening, go back and listen to the Andy Morgan uh, podcast episode I had with him recently. He's been super. But I still think that there's a reasonably broad area where they're focusing. I think the advice to niche down for new trainers is a big mistake on average. I think also... You don't choose your niche. Your niche chooses you. That's and a very interesting some way to look at it. To, I mean, think about you, Patrick. Did you start out coaching competitive powerlifters or did you start no. or general population? General population, completely. And did you find along the way, plus your own interest and passion in competitive powerlifting, that people who were interested in powerlifting were coming to you and gradually yes. more and more and more of your clientele became powerlifters to the point where yep. it's almost exclusively what you do? Kind of yeah, I don't, 
I don't even, yeah, that's, that's accurate. I don't even like call myself a powerlifting coach because probably 40% of my clientele is gen pop right now. And about 60% are powerlifters, but I never have said I'm a, like, at least not that I can recall. I've never like marketed myself as a powerlifting coach. It's just kind of happened. I also think it would be disadvantageous to you to do so because the I agree. general population, they would, they would filter themselves. Whereas yes, I, I don't coach powerlifters. I don't coach competitive bodybuilders. I don't have any background in Olympic lifting. I work primarily with general, general population, older adults, which are still gen pop, young athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to be. I really like working with the general population and they are the vast majority of the people. It's, most trainers, most coaches, I don't want to be a little bit busier. You niche yourself down unless you are very, very experienced and that really has chosen you and you really love it and you have a good pipeline into access to those type of people. I think you're closing yourself off to a more lucrative career. Sure. And I think that, let me grab my train of thought here. I apologize. It's sort of slipping on me a little bit. I agree with you for what it's worth. I think you, you nailed it on that. I really think that new coaches who go into hard niches are being misled. And I think you also need to gain the breadth of the experience of working with a lot of people. And I Absolutely. think that's really common advice. I don't think there's anything unique about me saying that. Yeah. I do think that, that there's just been more of a trend for people to, to narrow it down perhaps to a point of ridiculousness. I know I, I made a joke about it earlier, but like, I really do think that like it's getting so specific that I'm like, I'm sure that that's the right way to do this. Like, eh, I don't well, know, especially starting out, like you said, it's, it's a phenomenon that I've talked about in a few different formats about trying to grab onto the available real estate. And I use the liver king as the analogy. Okay. Right. The guy who's got a bigger, crazier looking beard than you. And, and the guy you can probably smell through pictures, right? <laughs> if, if you want to be able to smell an image, go like Google the liver king. And oh, you know, I guess I'm taking the piss out of it, but I'm being mean, but the guy doesn't care. You know, he's got a big following. So we, we have, people who have branded themselves around low carb. And that's been a thing for a long time. They reinvented, you know, it was Atkins. Now it's like keto, blah, 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 whatever. We, we know that stuff's happening. And then you get the, the intermittent fasting people and they've doubled down on that hard. And you get Dr. Jason Fung writing book, bullshit books like Obesity Code. It reads like fiction. But because he has the word doctor in his name, everyone assumes that it's got to be correct. And, and that's that's like, I don't want to go too far down that one, but I had a conversation Fine. with a guy who's like, people are like, oh, they like this, this doctor. I can't even say the guy's name. And he shares a lot of Twitter graphics and, and he's very much like sugar is poison. And the guy's mm. a pharmacist. So it's like, yeah, a doctor of pharmacy. Okay. There's like credibility in a corner of that, but I mean, that, that, that's not someone who has any additional credibility on nutrition. It's like a doctor of chiropractics. There's one doctor of chiropractics that I generally have a lot of respect for or being on scope. And that's the muscle doc, Jordan shallow, because the guy has literally studied like bodies and like training anatomy and everything like that. And he's not one of these guys who's like, all right, we're going to, you know, adjust your neck here. And it's going to, you know, cure your, you know, your asthma, your sugar, <laughs> this kind of crap. Right. Yeah. So yeah. get back on track about that. See, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, where were we? Liver King, real estate. Liver King. Yeah. So you get uh, the snake diet guy who I actually met in person. He's a creepy little dude. He's from the Edmonton area who all right, well, Jason Fong is peddling, you know, fasting. So snake diet guy goes, let's do the snake diet, extreme fasting, five day fasting, dry fasting, crazy stuff, right? Snake juice. And you got, well, okay. Low carb, 
is owned. So all of a sudden, ooh, carnivore. Now we're just no vegetables whatsoever, just straight meat, right? right. Guys like Dr. Sean, man, another doctor, Dr. Sean Baker. And I think there's one our Soldan, Paul Soldano. So again, people grabbing on more real estate. Well, okay, well, that real estate's now taken, Brandon, how, how can we take this further? What's like the, you know, like- the, the, What's the end game? The, the expensive real estate, the core part of the city, and you keep getting to the outskirts and the outskirts until it's like a two and a half hour commute to, you know, the downtown core. And okay, let's just, let's double down on organ meat. So this guy has basically chosen, well, I'm going to go into ancestral dieting, but I'm only going to eat organ meat, right? So what's the next thing? Like, it's like the, the, the kidney guy, like the guy who only eats kidney. <laughs> yeah. like, You see what I mean about how like people are grabbing onto more and more narrow and extreme and less valuable real estate, but people are also drawn to extremism. So you know, yeah. you can still make that work. And I think trainers get misled into thinking, well, I need to own a piece of real estate. You know what? It's a great piece of real estate to own mastery with the basics. Yeah. Skill as a respected coach. You're probably not yeah. going to turn around and be the shoulder guy the way that like Eric Cressy is really known for being the shoulder guy, right? Or you know, it's, it's going to be hard to, to catch Tony Jettelcourt and Dean Somerset on their hip and shoulder blueprint. You're just yeah. you're not going to do it. Uh, there was something I, I just had there. I mean, glute trading. Like right now, some of the guys, and I don't want to say names, but some of the guys who are like... Um, okay there's a guy i never even heard of in scottsdale and we're talking about like this cancel culture this guy's getting ripped apart because a lot of really nasty stuff came out about him and he's got a big tiktok following i'd never heard of him before i'm not interested with it but this guy's getting torn down to the point where like the police are involved because some stuff's really this predatory stuff anyway but this guy's branded around glute stuff and You know, there's a lot of images of him on his social media. And no, I'm not talking about Brett. And I know Brett has had his ups and downs in the industry too. But, uh, you know, this other dude is like really like touching women in a way that you probably shouldn't be on your social media. And then there's a whole bunch of these other guys who followed the wake of Brett Contreras' like glute guy thing to brand around glutes. And there's another one who, again, a name I'm not going to mention. I went and looked at the videos because I remember this guy. And he reminds me of like a reject from the insane clown posse. It's like, <laughs> whoa. I'm seeing like, dude is in like places, his face and his hands are, are like in sp- spaces they probably shouldn't be. Oof. Again, I don't believe in, in the teardown of this stuff, but I'm just like, people are, are just trying to grab onto like real estate that they think is going to be really marketable and attractive. And yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, we've, we've talked about some interesting stuff and, and I hope that people realize that in, in discussing some of these names and the, and the things that are going on out there take this stuff and, and apply it to how you interact with the industry, how you interact with clients, how you, you market and brand yourself, how you niche yourself, because there's definitely some pitfalls. We wanted to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome and I only got about nine minutes with you. So I always love setting you loose on this particular topic. So, you know, I'm just going to like, let you have the floor. Sure. Yeah. So uh, imposter syndrome is something that I, I struggle with off and on. It's kind of like this, uh, <clears throat> I'd say it's like cloud that just kind of sticks over my head. And uh, once in a while, the clouds part and things are fine, but oftentimes it's just this dull thing. And then once in a while, there's a thunderstorm and I feel like I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And yeah, it's a, what, what I've learned about it is that it's incredibly common, like, and, and it's even common in people who I would never suspect would have it. Like people, there are people who I think are industry leaders who I look up to. And when I've had conversations about them in private, like they say, yeah, I struggle with this. And I'm like, what? Because in my head. I'm like, well, you're, you're like the best at this. And so I just find it interesting that 
And, and I'll be honest, I find it comforting because it kind of normalizes that, well, wait a second, even these people that I look up to sometimes struggle with the same thing. And um, I, I don't believe or I don't subscribe to the idea that I have seen put forth that it's actually a matter of competence. I think that it's a matter of your perception of your competence being different from your actual competence. And I think that that's kind of definition. Definitionally, that's kind of kind of what it is. Um, I think more accurately, it's that you think you're fooling people into them believing that you're competent when you really don't think you are. But anyway, um, <clears throat> what I find that is the, the hardest part about it is that it makes it difficult for me to produce content. Like, I feel like I'm not able to put things forth or put things out there because I feel like I don't have value when I, when I am feeling those sensations of imposter syndrome. And so it's just an interesting thing. And, and I found that found a few things helpful for it. And I want to be clear that none of this, I'm not making a claim that any of this is just evidence-based stuff. Not at all. I'm only saying from experience, this is how I feel. And, you know, so I want to make sure that part's clear. Um, I find that what I am able to do is help my clients. And so I will quite literally do even more interaction with the people I'm coaching. And I find that it's just reaffirming to me and it makes me feel good. And it makes me realize, Hey, wait a second, look at what these people have accomplished. You know, I have objective evidence that I am doing good and uh, I just feel good helping people. And so that has been remarkably effective. And um, I'm also going to share something that I'm going to paraphrase because I don't want to misrepresent what someone said, but Greg Knuckles uh, and Eric Trexler do the Stronger by Science podcast. I love those guys, by the way. It's, it's uh, I mean, they're, they're just fantastic. And um, they do Q and A's and I had asked about, Hey, can you talk about imposter syndrome and something Greg said, and again, completely paraphrasing, want to be clear on that. Apologies to Greg, if I get this wrong, by the way. Um, but essentially what I gathered from it was he said that, part of this hinges on this idea that you think that everyone else knows what they're doing and you're the one that doesn't. And the reality is nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Like you think that everyone has their shit together, but they don't. And so it was awkwardly comforting. There's a, I did, I've talked about some of the stuff in presentations and I referenced an article Dean Somerset wrote years ago and he discusses all the different stages of the things he's done in his career, like how he started doing seminars in person in services for other coaches. And then he started filming them and doing info products. And every step of the way in this article is like, and I didn't know what I was doing. And Dean awesome. is a great example of someone who very poised, very polished. I get to hang oh, out yeah. this weekend. Uh, by the time people are listening, it'll already have been done. He's doing one of his uh, scientific applications of mobility training here. Nice. Uh, which again, if Dean is doing something and I'm near it, I'm going to sign up and promote it. Right. I really believe in this stuff. Sure. And, and he's very poised. He's very confident. And yet he's very open about the fact along the way, you know, a lot of the things that he stepped into, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. It's the fact that he took the steps <clears throat> and what you said about helping your clients, I lean on this one too. When I'm talking to people about putting themselves out there and sharing content, people think, what are the, what are the lies that people say? about why they don't share content. I've got an article, I've got a presentation on this, is, well, I don't have enough experience or, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I don't have enough fo followers. I don't know enough. 
your coach has been working with clients for six months. And in that space, that six months, you've helped someone lose a bit of weight. You've helped that person change lifestyle behavior. You've helped them get comfortable in a gym environment that they were intimidated, but now they're you know, in there independently. You've helped them build muscle. You've helped them work through around an injury. There is proof that you actually have helped people. And there's no difference between having those conversations and you and working with that person in front of you and then sharing what you did via social media. And I promise you, nobody who matters is out there on the internet looking to police what you're saying. Greg yeah. Knuckles is not scrolling through your social media. Greg's a very busy man, like straight crazy busy. He is not going through your post and going, well, actually, uh, you know, according to this research thing here, what you said here isn't technically correct. That, that, that doesn't exist. That doesn't happen. Yeah. If someone comes in and they're disingenuous, who are not a follower and just starts ranting and going nuts, guess what? That's what the block restrict or mute buttons are for. Okay. Just get yeah. rid of that. We'll leave those Nothing cards. wrong with doing that. If you have someone who is a follower, but has a disagreement and comes in and they're a bit negative, well, you have an opportunity to approach in a charitable way and just ask questions to say, okay, cool. Like, I want to, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this. And you may find that actually it's a misinterpretation or they're having a bad day or there's more common ground than you realize. And you can often turn an adversary into an ally with that type of approach. Absolutely. It's a good idea to approach most of these situations charitably. Patrick, I don't have much time left. I want to make sure people know where to find you. And I know that you're also really passionate about something recently. And I, I was going to make sure that you got a chance to shout out. Uh, there's something, I think it was the Trevor project that you really. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I, I meant to mention this in the imposter syndrome thing, because sometimes when I'm feeling down, one thing that I will do is, is start a fundraiser or donate, you know, time or, or money to a cause that I believe in. And um you know, I, I'm passionate about helping people. And uh, so, yeah, the Trevor Project is an organization that works primarily with the LGBTQ community, and they work in suicide prevention because that's a population that tends to have higher suicide rates. And so they uh, have like crisis counseling and things like that. And so I just randomly, uh, I, I was upset about something and just not feeling well. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to randomly do this. And I set a goal for like $500. And I cleared a thousand in like the first like few hours. It, it got over a grand, and I'm like, I feel really good about this. And so, thank you for bringing that up. By the way, it gives me a chance to to give that that place a shout out. And so, it's it's also another reason I love my group because people, you know, um, they I, I would say that they're they're most people have similar values in the group, and um, I think that. Uh, it's it's a wonderful thing and and when i put a cause out there that people believe in they support it and that just makes me feel good so <laughs> good thank you for bringing that up my pleasure I, you know i know it's important to you and i tend to as a rule <clears throat> don't highlight you know this sort of stuff on my media i really tend to keep it fitness and nutrition but one of the things that i like to do is and i don't i, I don't know if i've ever said this on on air before and there are a few people in the podcast library of 220 episodes who I'd look back and I go, I wouldn't bring that person on again. I don't like their value system. But the overwhelming sure. majority have really good value systems. Like you, you're someone I hold in deep, Thank you. deeply high regard and, and deep respect. And I know you're a good human being and I want people to know more about you. That's why you're here. And I Thank look you. at a lot of the guests that I've had, and maybe I don't make 
the episode about the fact that they're a member of the, of the gay community, LGBTQ plus community. But if you go on to what they're doing, and I'll use my friend Jen Kish as an example. There's an episode where I had Jen. Jen is the now retired, but former team captain of the Canadian women's Olympic rugby team. They won bronze in Rio. Jen and I started out as trainers together. She's a very close friend. And she recently reached out to me wanting me to appear in underwear and socks in her wife's music video. <laughs> That's off brand for me, but I'll, I have a friend. Sure. Who that was funny. Uh, yeah, I know. Right. So we didn't talk about those kind of things with Jen. I wanted people to know that she's a great coach, a great human being. But if you go and you dive into her media, you're going to see her talking more about these kind of issues. And, and I would rather take these people, make it about what great quality coaches and human beings they are. And if you choose to dive further into their media and get into those sort of things, then that's one of the best ways that I find. So that's, that's just me and my approach. But I do conscientiously think about what's the value system of who I have on air. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where do people find you? Uh, as of now, um, Facebook is still the best place to locate me either on my personal profile, Patrick Humphrey, or the group Eat, Train, Progress. If you'd like to join it, just please check out the rule set before you agree to join. Uh, we probably do have more rules than, than most people. And, you know, it's not for everyone, but I love the group. I think it's amazing. So, um, you right. can also follow me on Instagram. Say that again. I said, don't go in there and ask people what you want to write. <laughs> yeah, don't don't go in there and immediately ask what you're supposed to blog about, um, unless you want it to be hilarious. Um, or or on Instagram, like I do check Instagram regularly. I, I primarily view client videos because a lot of my powerlifting clients will just post their lifts on Instagram and then just tag me and then I go in there and look at it. But I really don't post a lot of content. That's also something, as you know, Andrew, I've been talking to you about that in private because I think that you've got that nailed down. And so I'm, if I do go that route, I'll be... Uh, copying you for the most part so not your content but your methods you know so it works. Um, yeah yeah absolutely so yeah i um i think those are those are probably the two two best places great my friend it's been great to catch up great to have you here. likewise hopefully likewise. uh i'll be i'm speaking uh, i got a smaller speaking engagement in minneapolis the weekend of may 13th and 14th dr brad schoenfeld dr Stu phillips are two of the headline speakers my friend luke Carlson. awesome and if it works for you, it's the, what is it? Resistance Exercise Summit. Um, if I get to see you there, we'll get to hang out and have a beer. Everybody else listening, thank you so much. I hope you go and check out what Patrick's doing because Patrick's really great proof that you don't need to scale the large social media audience to have a really great business and an impact on a community. And it gives you just another avenue to potentially do good work. So thank you, everyone. Thank you.